The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Well, first of all, everybody, thanks for coming out today. It's exciting for us. And a great opportunity for us to announce Odell Beckham as our latest addition to the team. Uh, welcome to his family, his beautiful family. We had the chance to spend some time with them last night. Uh, and his, his son, who I'm already, I want to represent in about 20 years, because uh, he's going to be a heck of an athlete. He's excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wants to be on the ground running around right yeah, now. He's, he wants to do. Yeah, he's, uh, he was trying to get on that table last night. He was like, Really excellent quickness, you know. <laughs> uh, agility, short area burst. Little snippet from yesterday's introductory press conference. Odo Beckham Jr., officially a member of the Baltimore Ravens. We'll get to that coming up later this segment. We have a, another topic to discuss before then. But before any of that, hello. It's PFT Live, Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Sky Sports Action. And also podcasts wherever, however, and whenever you get them. Peter King back in his usual spot. He was somewhere in a hotel room, I think, a couple of weeks ago in the in the western part of the United States. And since then, he's been to Hawaii. And I had a moment, Peter. I had a flashback when I was thinking about asking you about Hawaii. Remember back when we were young, which was a long time ago, so it may be hard for both of us to remember this. The big event that no one wanted to be part of was when someone came home from a trip and they had slides of all their photos and they put up the screen and they had the carousel with the slides in it that would chunk into place one after another. And we'd all sit there and act like we cared about seeing the photos of someone else's vacation. I had a flashback to that when I thought about asking you about Hawaii. Because in the old days, you would have said, come over. I got some slides to show you. Well, Mike, I don't have any slides to show you, but I have some beautiful photos of my <laughs> grandchildren. Would you like to see them today, Mike Florian? Yes, I would. Really, yes, really I would. As long as they're not well, slides. They come. <laughs> no, you know what? I'll tell you this. Two things about Hawaii. I hadn't been there since 
uh, I worked for ABC 100 years ago, and they had the Pro Bowl every year. So for two years in a row, I went and covered the Pro Bowl uh, over in Hawaii. And I'll tell you, the one thing that hasn't changed is it takes forever to get there. And it takes even longer than forever to get home. So if you really want to go somewhere where it's nice and lovely and beautiful, there's a lot of nice and lovely, beautiful places in the United States, uh, continental United States. The other thing I kept thinking is, this really doesn't feel like the United States. It just, first of all, it's so far away. Second of all, they they got their own language in a lot of ways, and it's beautiful, and the traditions are great. We went to a luau, and I just started to think to myself this morning, I said, you know, a week, last night, a week ago, I was at a luau in, 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 on Oahu, and now I'm reporting on Daniel Snyder, finally, the long national nightmare being over. So anyway, I went from so they- one luau to, to another. Well, I guess the similarity would be you got a dead pig with an apple in his mouth in both cases. We'll, we'll see if, uh, if, if, if that's, that's Snyder's good. fate. That's a good comparison. Um, I, I had a flashback, too, when I was a little kid, somebody we knew who went to Hawaii, and after they got home, and I guess the reward, the prize for suffering through the slideshow of their time in Hawaii was I had this little green ukulele that I couldn't play, yeah. but I loved it. And it was this tiny yeah. little wooden thing that was so different from anything else I had. Anyway, I wonder where that thing is now. It's probably smashed into a million pieces in a landfill somewhere in the northern part of West Virginia. Okay, let's get to it. Because okay. the big news in the NFL, even though we've been anticipating this for a while, and it's still not done. And it's never going to be easy with Daniel Snyder. It's never, ever going to be easy. Yesterday, the news breaks and multiple outlets confirm that Josh Harris has an agreement in principle to buy the Washington Commanders from Daniel Snyder. And then within minutes, ESPN says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Steve Apostolopoulos, if I got that right, and if I didn't, my apologies to Steve Apostolopoulos. Again, if I got that right, great. If not, sorry. He's still in it. It's anyone's race. It's... It can go anywhere. It can go to anyone. Like, what the hell is going on here? Peter, can you help us make sense of where this stands? Is it going to be sold? And who's going to end up owning the team? A fairly important point for any Commanders fans that would like to have someone who knows what they're doing in charge of the team. Well, I think Josh, excuse me, I think Josh Harris believed it was over, Mike, in the middle of the week because he had a conversation with Roger Goodell on Wednesday of this week. And although it was a private conversation, I was told that the clear inference was uh, that he was the winner of the Derby and uh, he was going to be the majority owner now. He and Mitchell Rails, uh, another D.C. area uh, business magnate, uh, were going to be the winners, basically, of this Derby. Now, I don't know. I saw the same reporting that you did last night. Uh, Someone with uh, good knowledge of this situation, said that that was news to him, you know, when I first asked him about it, uh, and believes that Josh Harris is going to end up getting this team. But we'll see what happens. As you say, Daniel Snyder never makes it easy. I think one of the things right now that's happening, 
Mike, remember at the league meetings a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago now, I guess, remember when Arthur Blank, uh, you may remember this quote, I was in the room when he said it, and there were eight reporters uh, who were in a room just shooting the breeze sort of with with, uh, Arthur Blank, the very well-connected Falcons owner, and he said, listen, trust me, you guys know as much about this as I do, because Daniel Snyder is keeping his own counsel. He's not talking to people in the league about this. Uh, he's basically cut off from most of us. And and so that's why when I saw that yesterday, it really didn't surprise me. Daniel Snyder wants to run this show, and it'll be over when he's damn well ready to say it's over. Uh, and as of now, as of this morning, evidently it's not over yet. But the one other thing I was told yesterday, Mike, is that Roger Goodell will release the Mary Jo White report. And that, to me, as Roger Goodell said at the league meetings, again, three weeks ago, as he said, I am intent on releasing this report whenever it is finished. So perhaps that is one last way of Daniel Snyder saying, "Uh, I'll do this on my own time. You guys do whatever you want, but... I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Well, there's a lot I can say now. Let me work backward. Because I have some strong opinions about the Mary Jo White report. You and I previously believed that if Daniel Snyder voluntarily went away, the Mary Jo White report would be brushed under the nearest rug and it would never be shown the light of day. I now believe, and, and I know this is a cynical view, but after covering the NFL for 23 years, that's what this has made me. I already was a little bit anyway after practicing law. But I think what's going to happen, Peter, two versions of the Mary Jo White report. It goes one way. If he goes away quietly, it goes another way. If he doesn't go away quietly, there's a lot of discretion. There's a lot of play in the factual assumptions and inferences that can be made. And Mary Jo White, who continues to get work from the NFL, which means she's giving her client what her client wants. Again, this isn't some independent body that's swooping in and taking the keys and telling the NFL, go sit down. I'll do the work here. I'll let you know when it's done. The mere fact that we don't have a report yet tells us she is doing what they want. She is waiting to see how this plays out before her report emerges. If he voluntarily goes away, once the ink is dry on the deal, at some point after that, we'll get a report that will be inconclusive. That may be the key word, inconclusive as to whether or not the allegations made can be properly substantiated against Daniel Snyder. That would be my guess. And if he fights, then they use that as the cudgel, as you used that word several weeks back, to get Daniel Snyder to go away for good. But uh, that's my current opinion. Whether it's right or wrong, time will tell. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine a set of facts, Peter, where Daniel Snyder voluntarily goes, and then after he's gone, after the asset has been transferred, after Josh Harris takes over, they just start clubbing him over the head with all these findings and conclusions when they know how litigious he is what's the point what's the gain what's the value in that I can't imagine that happening I would agree with you about that Mike but I have no knowledge supporting that agreement it's just a feeling that you and I have had that um, I won't be surprised either if the version that is released is a sanitized version But we'll see, as you say, 
there, there, there has to be something. There has to be something that Daniel Snyder is going to want in exchange for going away. Now, cynical people, even more cynical sporting people would say that Daniel Snyder owned this team, this once, once proud jewel, this top five franchise in the NFL, a, uh, a, a, a franchise of tremendous civic pride in Washington. He owned this franchise for 24 years. And it, during his ownership, he was 56 games under 500. And he won two wild card games. That's it. No playoff wins in the last 17 years. That is the resume of Daniel Snyder, the failed owner of the Washington franchise. Now, to compare it to the 24 years before then, Washington franchise, instead of being 56 below 500, they were 53 games above 500. They won 16 playoff games instead of two, and they won three Super Bowls instead of zero. So, Mike, I think regardless of what happens with this report from now on, the minute that Josh Harris, uh, Mitchell Rails, Magic Johnson, and that, that ownership group, the minute that the ink is dry on those papers, I don't think anybody in Washington cares what happens. They're going to hate Daniel Snyder, whatever. They might hate him a little bit less if he sells to a group that is going to return football to the District of Columbia, which is where it belongs. I was on the Cowboys flagship station yesterday morning, 105.3 The Fan, Dallas-Fort Worth. And it's funny because they're starting to become concerned that they eventually have to worry about the commanders again. And as we were discussing it, at one point, it dawned on me, maybe one of the reasons why Jerry Jones has been so damn supportive of Dan Snyder over all these years is he just likes having a guy around that he knows. I play him twice a year. I compete with him for division championships and wild card positioning. I kind of like the idea that this guy doesn't quite know what he's doing. It makes my job a of little course. bit easier. And there is, there is an element among the owners that, that likes having – eight to 10 to 12 teams that are mired in dysfunction, tracing to the owner in most cases. They like having that. It makes it easier to stand out. It makes it easier to build your own legacy, to compete for championships, to have that room full of Super Bowl trophies that you can use to impress your season ticket holders and your high rollers who have suites and other big ticket items at your stadium. It's a lot easier when a third of the league is just cannon fodder for everybody else. And that's the downside for the good owners. If Snyder's out, you throw a dart and you hit an owner who's going to be better than him. And Josh Harris has shown, there was an item in Sports Business Journal last night explaining how he has taken the Philadelphia 76ers and made them respectable again. The New Jersey Devils, David Putty's favorite hockey team, and made them respectable again. And he'll, he'll likely do that with the commanders. Now, do they become an elite franchise? Who knows? But they won't be pushovers anymore, and the dysfunction coming from the executive level of the team will not impact the performance of the team as the way it quite possibly has because there's been too many stories and too many quotes 
that show players are distracted by the messes that have been happening. So if it is Josh Harris, I think that's good news for Commanders fans. Again, they'll take anybody at this point. Peter, they're so desperate they would take you or me as owner of the team right now. We'd be better. We'd walk through the door better than Daniel Snyder. We'd have to try to be as bad as Daniel Snyder as the owner of that team. They're going to be thrilled to have anyone. But now that it's down to Josh Harris and Steve Apostolopoulos, like, it's a pretty key decision as to where the team goes. Harris has the experience. We don't know who this Apostolopoulos guy is. He's Canadian. I, I'm surprised they're even considering letting a Canadian in the club. And, I, I again, I, I remember when ESPN first reported Harris's group has submitted a bid of $6 billion. Apostolopoulos has submitted a bid of $6 billion. Six billion, six billion. Well, how how do we how do we break the tie? Like, how do you pick a, a winner between those two? And the reporting since then suggested that Harris's deal is the one that's truly backed by real money. It's the more viable deal. And we were just waiting for Jeff Bezos to swoop in. So this whole thing about wait a minute, hang on, it could go to either guy coming from ESPN. This isn't some fly by night publication that's pushing this. It just makes it all seem weird, and it makes me think Snyder. And again, I don't want to get sued. I just have this weird feeling he's up to something. I don't mean in a, a criminal way. I just feel like there's something going on here. There's some sort of last-minute negotiating ploy. There's some concession he's trying to get from someone to just finally do this and be done with it because it just doesn't seem like it's really coming down to two groups. It feels like, Peter, something else is going on. Well, when you heard the number is $6.05 billion. That 05 means it looks like maybe, maybe somebody threw in an extra 50 million as a sweetener to get this deal done. Now, we'll find out if that, if that really happened. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But I think that at the end of the day, this is going to be Josh Harris's team. It makes the most sense. And, and look, you know, we'll see who writes the biggest check, but I agree with you. And again, I'm not a financial reporter. I have not sussed out either deal. And we'll see which one is the more solid. If indeed we get, let's say, to next week and we don't have finality. I think, honestly, Mike, the biggest story is Ding Dong the Witch is dead. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the biggest story. And, you know, forget all this other intramural quibbling over millions I mean, you know, you right now, look, however many years ago it was, whatever, nine years ago, I think, that uh, the Buffalo Bills were sold. I mean, another franchise in the NFL has been now sold or is on the verge of being sold for four times the amount of another civic treasure. And that's what the Buffalo Bills and Washington Commanders have in common they the buffalo bills have been a civic treasure even when they go three and 13 every year and the washington franchise was a civic treasure when daniel snyder bought this franchise in 1999 it is no longer a civic treasure it is a civic embarrassment and that's why to me it's so important that he sells it to a group that is going to rekindle the love of football in the District of Columbia. That is where this franchise belongs. And let's hope that at the end of the day, 
he isn't in some way trying to steer the team to the group that will do less of a job of turning the team around because I could see him thinking at some level they're going to make me look even worse if they come in and make this team into a perennial contender. It just underscores my failures for 24 years, even though he grew up a fan of the team and you would think he wants to see the team do well. I could see, based upon everything we know about Daniel Snyder, at some point percolating inside of his soul this idea, you know what, if I have a choice here, between one or the other, and I have a feeling that one is going to do less of a good job than the other, maybe that's the one that should have the team because then I look like even less of an income poop in hindsight. Um, and, and look, I, what confuses me about this whole thing, and, and so much of, of my own context when it comes to processing situations traces back to one of the various Seinfeld episodes, but remember when they were – auctioning off JFK's golf clubs. At some point, the commanders are JFK's golf clubs. And at some point, it's Elaine with a paddle, and it's the O'Candy Bar heiress, whose name I can't remember, with another paddle, and they go back and forth until somebody puts the most money on the table. That would be, to me, how you resolve this. Who wants it more? Who's willing to bring more money to the table to buy this team and everything else to me just seems like hocus pocus shenanigans that, again, someone's looking for some concession. Maybe it traces back to this clumsy effort by Snyder to get indemnity from his colleagues, from whatever liability he's concerned about, something they never do, something they didn't do for the Broncos last year who went for $4.65 billion when the Pat Bolin estate cashed out. So it just, I just feel like the landing of this plane isn't going to be easy because nothing with Daniel Snyder is ever easy because he's got this impishness gone berserk where he's just got to complicate everything. And that is all an expression of opinion, not a statement of fact. I am not looking to be sued today or any day, but just everything we've seen about his public life and his involvement with the commanders would suggest to me that he can't help himself on the way out the door, that he's got to find a way to create some chaos just because that's how he's wired. Again, that is an expression of opinion, not fact. Look, I think, you know, you got to keep your eye on the prize. If you like football, if you're a fan of this franchise, a disaffected fan of this franchise, obviously, you got to keep your eye on the prize. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, my God, we're going to be great right away. Let's get these owners in. Uh, Let's have these owners run this franchise. They will bid on Lamar Jackson, and they'll buy a quarterback for this team who isn't named Sam Howell and blah, 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 blah. I, I do want to remind people that probably the easiest approval since I've ever been covering the <laughs> National Football League, the easiest approval uh, for the sale of a franchise was the Denver Broncos to the Walton Penner group in 2022. And just for a little historical uh, knowledge here, so... That sale took 57 days to approve by NFL owners. So all you who love this franchise, understand one thing, right? The coach of this team in 2023 is Ron Rivera. The president of this team in 2023 is Jason Wright. The GM of this team in 2023 is Martin Mayhew. And they will run this team and exactly like George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett had the opportunity 
to show Greg Penner and this ownership group their bona fides. And at the end of the year, obviously the Broncos made some choices. It'll, the new ownership group made choices. It'll be exactly the same way in Washington. Will Ron Rivera stay on long-term? Will they all stay on long-term? TBD. And that's the way it should be with a new ownership group. In essence, new owners, and Josh Harris will be different because he owns an NBA team, he owns an NHL team. He understands that sometimes the best thing to do is to admit and to say, I don't know. So Josh Harris is going to have to get familiar if he is the majority owner of the franchise in Washington or whoever it is, is going to have to be able to say, let me sit back and learn the ways of the NFL for a while and go to games and wave and get cheered by people who uh, are, are happy there's been an ownership change. But I don't think on the field we're going to see much different at all with this franchise in 2023. By the way, it was Sue Ellen Mischke who drove up the price of the JFK golf clubs that eventually were stolen. Quite a looker, that Sue Ellen Mischke. The... The, the, the Brawless O'Carry, O. Henry candy bar heiress, by the way, who was a recurring character on Seinfeld. But remember, it was Brad Garrett who would go on to play Robert Barone in Everybody Loves Raymond, who had a very different voice in those episodes of Seinfeld, who stole Jerry's car with the golf clubs in the back and eventually used them to throw them at the truck that Kramer and Newman were using to pull off the bottle deposit scam in Michigan, and they retrieved the golf clubs, and they gave them to Jay Peterman, and Jay Peterman just assumed that JFK was a, an angry golfer. Uh, anyway, that, uh, that's neither here nor there. Here's the other reality. You mentioned the Broncos sale, $4.65 billion. We got a 20 – no, no. Is it 30? It's like 29 30%. It's right around that number. I think it's 30% increase in franchise price in eight months. Think about what that does to all these other teams. I mean, it's good news and bad news. One of the problems looming for a lot of the ownership groups out there is what happens when the person who's in charge dies and the asset gets passed through the estate because the estate tax obligation becomes astronomical when the values of these teams keep going up and up and up. And we may see sales triggered by the simple fact that the, the, the final valuation of the team after the passing of the person who holds the primary equity and it gets sent to someone else in the family is going to be a price tag that can't be met. That's how Daniel Snyder got the team in the first place. Jack Kent Cook's family couldn't pay the estate tax. So that could have a ripple effect here. Other owners who may be thinking about cashing out may decide, I'm just going to turn this asset into money right now if these properties keep going up at the people we may not be thinking about may decide hell we go from 4.65 to six in eight months we're going to seven we're going to eight i was told a few years back the average one of the real franchise is going to be worth eight to ten billion before very long peter and we're getting closer to that so that's another practical effect of this transaction on the league at large it could cause other owners to say i'll take my money and run and it could cause other owners ownership groups, families who want to keep these teams to be in a position where they just can't because they can't pay off the estate taxes at the appropriate time. The value of the team is just too significant. 
you know, you're right, Mike. If if the value of the Denver Broncos, if the sale price was four point six five billion, which it was, and if the Washington franchise sells for six point oh five billion, that's an increase of one point four billion, obviously. And it is exactly a thirty point one percent increase in value in the span of one calendar year. And that is one of the things that every NFL owner is going to look at rubbing his or her hands with glee. So I guess the way I look at it is is pretty simple, that there's no reason for any owner in the NFL to want to stand in the way of this. There's no reason for any owner right now to be universally angry forever with Daniel Snyder because at the end of the day, he basically increased his value of his franchise in a quarter century, uh, you know, essentially by almost 800 fold. And so you look at all this and you say, in essence, what really has happened here? You know, what, what has happened here? Well, there's been a franchise that's been tarnished, but not irretrievably so. And this franchise in the hands of responsible people who don't use it as their personal boys club uh, are basically going to restore uh, goodness and decency and hopefully a competitive franchise who can find the next Bobby Beathard and the next Joe Gibbs, a young tandem of really smart people in terms of personnel management and in terms of coaching and coaching style to be able to build the next dynasty that they've been looking for in Washington for 30 years. Jeff Bezos continues to hover over this transaction, even though it's clear he's out, but he hovers over the league now. And I think that, you know, my theory was that he was waiting to swoop in at the last moment because if he had been involved from the get-go, no one else gets involved. It becomes impossible to get to a fair number if he's the only bidder because no one else is coming to the party because they just assume at the end of the day Jeff Bezos is buying it. I thought that maybe he was waiting until the very end once the price was set at six. You got two groups putting six on the table. Here he comes at six two five, six five, whatever, and he takes it. Well, no, he's out. But, Peter, I think he's going to get in somewhere else. And Seattle is the most obvious candidate. Jody Allen, the sister of the late Paul Allen, systematically selling off his massive estate. After May of 2024, if the team is sold, they avoid the obligation of 10% of the proceeds flowing to the state of Washington. That's one of the terms of the stadium deal that was done when they built their current venue. But if I'm Bezos... You know, if I'm any of these owners, and maybe Josh Harris is having second thoughts about this now, why do I want to buy a team that requires so much work and so much effort on the way in when I can buy a franchise that isn't completely and totally dysfunctional? Maybe Bezos looks at this and says, okay, for, for another $500 million or billion, I'll go to seven, and I won't have all these headaches. I won't have this stadium that is the worst in the NFL that I have to figure out. I won't have to spend my time right. worrying about all these decisions. Like you can either build a house from scratch or you can buy a fully built mansion. Which one's easier? It's a hell of a lot easier to buy a house somebody else built 
than to build your own house. And he may just not want to mess with that. And Seattle, look, they, they I remember they issued a statement at some point in the last year which made it clear that team's getting sold at some point. And again, May 2024 is the key moment where that 10% obligation evaporates. And I think after that, that's when somebody swoops in. And maybe that's when Bezos makes his move. Because I'd rather not have to spend all that time undoing 24 years of damage. I'd rather buy a team that currently is sitting among the upper echelon of the NFL franchises, not down with the dregs. Here's the interesting thing about, you know, for people who say, well, geez, why in the world is, uh, why in the world is Seattle such a great franchise? You know, what, what's the, what is the, What's so great about Seattle? Well, I'll tell you three things that are great about Seattle. They have, first of all, they have a fairly new stadium, whatever Lumen Field is. Uh, what is that, like 15 years old, Mike? I mean, it isn't like it's, you're going to be able to use it for the next 50 years. But in essence, it's still a fairly new stadium. Uh, when it opened, it was a total absolute state-of-the-art stadium. There's one feature of this stadium that Jeff Bezos will absolutely love that Paul Allen had put in this stadium that I think is fantastic. You can, if you're the owner of this team, drive up to your private elevator in the parking garage before a game and you can go up and the elevator takes you right to your box. You don't have to go out. You don't have to walk into the stadium. I mean, nothing. You have your own elevator that has one purpose in life, and that is to take the owner to his box and then at the end of the game, take the owner down. I mean, life is good when you're worth billions. But so anyway, you got a great stadium. And the other thing that people don't realize that's really important about a football team is that you have to have a practice facility and you have to have a set of offices that you can bring both free agents and your own team to, and they love coming to work. And to me, the Seattle Seahawks, Virginia Mason Athletic Facility is, uh, is, is the most beautiful facility in the NFL. And it is so, and look, I have great respect for Jerry Jones' facility in Dallas. It's a little bit different, okay? But the one in Seattle... It has every accoutrement you want. And the, and the part of it that is so interesting is you go to a training camp practice and sometimes there are boats on Lake Washington out watching the practice. It's a little bit hard to see, but you see boats lined up out there because it's on one of the most picturesque sites uh, that a practice facility could be on. So you have that, not to mention... Uh, probably, clearly one of the best two, three, four, five fan bases in the NFL. So when you say, why would somebody want to own Seattle versus Washington in the seat of power in the, uh, you know, along the East Coast, in the megalopolis, of course you would want to own there, uh, you know, in Washington. Well, hold on. The state of Washington right now because it has a fan base that is all revved up. It's got a beautiful stadium. It's got the greatest practice facility. You look at all those three elements, they're all better than what exists in Washington, D.C.
The Seahawks Stadium opened in 2002. It seems like it hasn't been around quite that long, but it was right. July 31, 2002. It's gone by the names of Seahawks Stadium, Quest Field, CenturyLink Field. It's now Lumen Field. And it cost, Peter, $430 million to build. That's the other side of this. You have a stadium that's ready. And it doesn't cost four thirty anymore. It's going to be more like two billion to build a new stadium, and you have to figure all that political side of it out. And and yes, for now, you've got all the appropriate people just ready to throw money at you because you're not Dan Snyder. But that's going to die down, and at some point, the realities of budgets will take over again once the new owner is in place, and they may not be quite as willing to just give you free stuff especially if you're Jeff Bezos. You're not going to get any sympathy. You're not going to get any sweetheart deals. People are just going to look at you and they're going to say, nope, sorry, you can afford it. So that's another reason to wait for the Seattle Seahawks. And the other thing about that stadium, and I remember standing down on that field, it would have been 2014 when the Seahawks hosted the week one game against the Packers. That thing really has been designed to maximize the sound. Somebody was yeah. was doing – uh. The with the, what do they call that with the water and the why am I why am I blanking on it you know the spraying of the water there's there's a more fancy word for it when you have the water machine that sprays water the cleaning with the water anyway it sounded like I was standing next to a jet engine and it was one guy up up between the two levels spraying water power washing that's what it is power washing thanks Pete power washing uh, Pete didn't tell me I finally remembered. But uh, and it, it's just it's all engineered for the noise, especially if you're on the visiting team sideline. The noise all comes down to you. So a lot of advantages built in rabid fan base, great ownership. Traditionally, great opportunity for a new owner to come in and just let things keep going the way that they are. So, look, Peter, I don't know what to think about this. I feel like it's going to be done. There had been some momentum toward getting it done by the May ownership meetings. Who knows if they get every I dotted and T crossed by then. They'll have a special ownership meeting if they need to, just like they did last year when they got together in Minneapolis to approve the transfer of the Broncos from the Bowling Estate to the Walton Penner Group. Again, they're, they're going to be so happy to get rid of this guy. They'll do whatever they have to do to go cast the final 24 minimum, and it'll be 32 out of 32. Bye-bye, Dan Snyder. Hello, Josh Harris or whoever. Yeah, and that's... You know, as we've said, Mike, that's what to keep the eye, keep your eye on in this story. And all the rest of it is just a bunch of squabbling. I think the one final thing I would say about this whole uh, this whole thing is that, look, the, for a long time, you know, when I've told these stories that, you know, when I first started covering the NFL in the 80s, my second job was covering the New York Giants for Newsday in New York. And so either four or five years uh, early on in my career, uh, when I was 27, 28 years old, I covered football games at RFK Stadium uh, as a writer covering the New York Giants. And the rivalry was really intense in those days, Parcells versus Gibbs and all that. And I was at the Joe Theismann uh, leg break game and, and all that. But the one thing I can just tell you is, just if I can pass this along, I can tell you what an incredible treat it was to simply either walk a good distance through the district 
to RFK Stadium or perhaps just get a cab and end up and walk through the area around the uh, RFK Stadium. And then walking into the stadium, you just had this feeling that you were attending something that was really, really important. And the one thing I will always remember is three or four times in that first game I ever covered there in 1985, three or four times in that game, uh, the little press box at RFK Stadium started shaking like it was an earthquake. And the first time I held on and like looked around nervously, like what is going on? And I look over and see all the Washington writers and they're just, you know, banging away at their at whatever they're writing about the game. And I said, oh, this this is supposed to happen. This is part of it. Now, fast forward to covering a few games at FedEx Field, uh, a sanitized, totally crappy stadium that has no personality, no flavor, uh, maybe once or twice a year when a big team came in, the Packers or clearly the Cowboys or the Eagles. Then you had a big crowd, but it was at least half the visiting team. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, one of the Cowboys uh, media people told me the uh, most incredible thing he'd ever seen. It was 70, 30 Cowboys fans at a game in Washington, D.C. You know, that's the kind of stuff that has to change. There ha- you know, this franchise was once and can be again a jewel for the city of Washington, D.C. It belongs in that city. And I just hope that, and I would like to see it because I know Harris and Rails are Washington area residents. And I just hope that they're able to get this team and to bring the glory of this franchise back into the District of Columbia where it belongs. You called the stadium sanitized in one breath and crappy in another. And I think we have a tiebreaker if the control room has the right button. The time that the pipe burst and the sewage flowed out over the fans. So it's not sanitized. It definitely is not sanitized. Just another reason to tear that damn crap hole down and build a new stadium. But if I'm Jeff Bezos... And I can buy any franchise I want, whether it's for sale or not for sale. Why am I buying that one? I think at the end of the day, he he pressed pause. He stepped back and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why, why, do, why do I need this headache? I don't want this headache. Why would I want to subject myself to this complete and total overhaul of a lost franchise? But Josh Harris, if he gets it, congratulations and good luck as you try to undo 24 years of Daniel Snyder-related damage. Let's take a break. When we return, Odell Beckham Jr., officially introduced as a member of the Ravens. What does he know and when did he know it about Lamar Jackson possibly returning? We'll take up that and other issues next on this Friday edition of PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 